today we're going to continue on with the series in worship. And the message to, entitled today is Preparation for Worship. My family, um, music was a big part of me growing up. My grandfather um, uh, was a minister, and, and he played the bass, and he played the trumpet. I think he played other instruments, too. Uh, my, my dad, he, he played the trumpet. Uh, my, my uncles, they played the drums, and they, they played the trumpet. They played uh, the, 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 um, uh, a little bit of piano, okay? And so whenever I got around, I chose not to follow suit. <laughs> And I picked up the alto sax. I played the alto sax all through middle school. Um, with that, I, I picked up a little bit of the piano and, uh, and the drums. I, I, I would like to tell you that I played both the piano and the drums. Um, if you don't know how to play, you'll realize that I... Well, you'll still realize that I can't play the piano and the drums, but, but I, I, I like to think I can a little bit. But, uh, but music was an important part. The one thing that I really wished that I learned how to play, and I tried so hard, was the guitar. And I want to bless you this morning with a song. <laughs> Pastor Henry, can, can, I, can I borrow your guitar real quick? All right. And let's see, I think I can remember how to get in this thing here. Okay. All right. Turn it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, there we go. And um, <clears throat> my, my singing voice isn't what it used to be. Um, it gets better. Hold on. Um, hold on. Um, this is not, this is not the way it was supposed to go. L listen, um, see the problem with me starting out with the guitar was this, is that just getting it tuned was an experience. It, it was kind of an experience. As a matter of fact, when you're playing the guitar, it's different than the other instruments because whenever you play the other instruments, they're already tuned. You know, you just sit down to the piano and you can begin to play and it sounds wonderful. You, 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 put, the, you, you can, uh, put your neck on, put your mouthpiece on on the saxophone. And as long as you're playing by yourself, you think you're in tune. <laughs> I guess that's how the guitar is too, right? But the, the thing about the guitar uh, is it's, it's not ready to be played until, until you begin to, to tune it. And so I think I can remember how to do this. Just give me a second, okay? Yeah. Me, 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 me. Okay. There it is. Okay. No. Um, Pastor Henry, can you help me really quickly? It's really embarrassing. Okay. Um, listen. Hey, you might want to tighten up that strap. It's a little loose for you. <laughs> and he, he's going to go ahead and tune it. Um, see, see, the thing is, is that I, I wanted to play the guitar, but, but when I sat down to tune it, it always took me so long that I would start losing interest in, in the guitar. And, and I would spend so long tuning it that by the time it was ready to be played... 
I, I, I kind of lost interest. I, I was ready to move on to something else, something that was easier. I, I, I couldn't ever get it to, you know, to work out right. And, and it just has to work out to be perfect in order for it to be played correctly. And, and how, how you doing, Henry? We're see, see, the thing is, <laughs> I really messed it up, didn't I? <laughs> I didn't use my guitar. <laughs> see, the thing is, is that it's, it's hard to tune it yourself if you really don't know what you're doing. But whenever you have a, is, are you, a, is it a master guitar? No? Okay, anyway, when, when you have somebody that knows what they're doing, when you, when you got somebody that knows what it's supposed to sound like and they're used to tuning it up, man, it's so easy and so clear. What you got? What you got, brother? Come on. Woo! Doesn't that sound good? Yeah. Woo! What do you wish Man, that sounds good. Hey, would you give Pastor Henry a round of applause? Just tune in that thing. See, I, 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 I couldn't do that myself, so I'd always have to get somebody else to tune it for me. And if you really don't know, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. If you really don't know how to play that guitar, then it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to, to try to play it without it being tuned because the chord fights itself. I was just kidding. I'm not going to play it for you. <laughs> I'm the only one in the room that gets applause for not playing. Well, praise God anyhow. That's all right. I still love you. It's all right. See, I'm just so glad that the word of the Lord tells us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord and not a skillful noise because I'd be in trouble, right? <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is this, that when we come into his presence, it can be difficult to get in tune. You see, one of the things that you may not know about a guitar is, is simply this. Whenever you tune a guitar and then you put it down and you walk away and you come the next day and you try to pick that guitar up, it'll be out of tune again. It'll be out of tune. Nobody's touched it. Nobody's bumped it. Nothing happened, but it's out of tune. Why? It's because there's stress on those strings that's pulling the frame. It's because the temperature and the humidity it's because of the age of the strings, it, it just falls out of tune. And, and if we take a moment together and we play every day, then it just is a little bit out of tune and you just tune it up a little bit. And if you play every week, it falls a little bit more out of tune. And you've got to spend a little bit longer tuning in. If you play, you know, on Easter and Christmas, well, <laughs> you might have to restring the whole thing every time. See, the interesting thing is that we are like a guitar, aren't we? When we, when we worship God, we come in and we tune our hearts to him. 
We focus our attention and our minds on him. We try to get connected with the Holy of Holies, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and we connect our hearts with his. And then when we do that in the right way, it's harmony. It's joy, it's peace, and God manifests his presence with us. That's those moments that we walked away saying we have been with God. But there are times in our lives where we go a little bit longer without tuning ourselves to him. Maybe you came to church, you didn't feel like worshiping this morning. And you didn't really try to focus to tune your heart and your life to him. And so you have fallen a little bit more out of tune. Maybe this week has been a long week and it's been difficult and you've had problems and situations and trials and you haven't even thought about coming to the Lord in his presence and worshiping because you feel like you are lacking energy or, 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 or lacking motivation. And so our lives fall more and more out of tune. And so whenever you come into church and you drop the kids off, you get them checked in, you get your cup of coffee, you, you get your donut, you shake your hands, you come in here, you sit down and it's time to worship. You begin to stand up and worship and you begin to align your heart with God. And by the time that the music goes over and it's time to move on, you just then got in line, got tuned into his spirit. It was over before it even started for you. And we know that it would probably be better if we just stayed in tune all week, if we put a little bit more energy and a little bit more enthusiasm and intentionality in our relationship with God so that we could be connected from the moment that our worship service started with each other, creating a beautiful choir, a symphony of worship that rises to the throne room of God. But instead, sometimes <laughs> it, it sounds like a middle school symphony. <laughs> if you've ever been to one of those, you know what I'm talking about. You see, it's not a bad thing to work to try to get here and to try to get into tune. It's a good thing. But last week we talked about the presence of God and this week we're going to talk about the preparation for worship. How many of you know that we prepare for so many things in our lives? But whenever it comes to coming to church, we just get up and get dressed and come in. And at times we have become part of the crowd, part of the watchers instead of a participant in the worship experience. Today I want to challenge us to prepare to tune ourselves for worship. Turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 19. You can follow along with today's notes in our Bible app. Simply go to your menu, click on events there. If your locations of services are enabled, you can click on Christ's legacy. You can see the whole outline, all the scriptures, some discussion questions, and some questions just for fun about the Super Bowl. Don't worry about that later. You can worry about that later on, not now, okay? But you know, what would happen if I told us 
this morning that Jesus was going to be in our church next week. What if I told you that he was going to show up? Now, I know, I know you super Christians. You're like, he, he's here now, Pastor John. It's true, he is. He is. But, but if you really believed it, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that you know it says that in God's word, but if you really, really believed it, what would happen is that you would spend all week looking forward to it. That you would lay your clothes out the night before. That people would invite you to go out on a weekend trip and you would tell them, are you out of your mind? You need to come with me to church. You'd be inviting people that were sick. You'd be inviting people that, that, that were lost and not found. You'd be going out your way to, 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 to reach out and to bring people into this place. Whenever, whenever the doors open, you'd be coming in. You'd be fighting for a front seat, not a back seat. When we come into this place, we begin to worship immediately. We would, the atmosphere of our worship would be incredible. It would be thick with the presence of God. Jesus would begin to move. Hearts would begin to change. People would be healed in his presence. And that's probably exactly how the Israelites felt in Exodus chapter 19. You see, the Israelites had just escaped their slavery with the Egyptians through a series of miraculous events performed by God and by the obedience to God of Moses. The Egyptians went through plagues. The Israelites walked out of here with a whole bunch of the Egyptian stuff that was given to them. They were led through the wilderness by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They came to the Red Sea with an army chasing after them and the Red Sea split and they walked across on dry ground. When the, when the Egyptians tried to get them, the sea closed again and the entire army was lost. And here in Chapter 19, Moses and the Israelites found out that God wants to reveal his presence to them. And that's where we pick up chapter 19, starting in verse 10. Then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Watch this, consecrate. Somebody say consecrate. Them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothes. Be sure they are ready on the third day for on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as all the people watch. See, they're in the middle of their wilderness, standing on the precipice of the promised land in which God had promised to them. God revealed his intentions to reveal himself to his people. It wasn't a casual encounter. It wasn't by chance or a happy coincidence. It was God's intention. He wanted to have a revelation of himself to his people. He wanted to show up and be their God. So in preparation for his visitation, God gave an instruction to Moses to consec consecrate his people 
unto himself, that they should wash their clothes. He gave them three days so they could consecrate themselves. If we're going to be honest, it can take three days to get through a family load of laundry. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you've been a slave for 400 years, you, you need a couple of days to get the laundry caught up. Okay? But here we have three days to prepare to clean themselves up before God showed up. That word consecrate in Hebrew simply is kadash, which means to be set apart. In this instance, in this situation, God was using it to say, to literally use it to mean to take someone that isn't holy for God's use and set them apart so that he could use them in worship. Consecrated to be set apart for the use of holy worship. So the very first thing that you and I can do to allow our hearts and our lives to tune in to God is to get holy. Turn to your neighbor and say, get holy. We have a holy God. His, it's really hard to wrap our minds around what it means to be holy because as a society, don't think in terms of sacred or holy any longer, but it's important in that context. You see, when we say holy, we say that there is a greater way to live our life than the way that we choose now, and that's why it's so hard for our culture and our society to understand it. Because in a society and a culture that want to tell you that you can live your life any way that you want to, because your truth is true for you and somebody else's truth is true for them. But I want to tell you that that's not the way that God has designed us. There is a truth. And it is God and it is his word. And our society rejects that because if they don't reject it, then they have to admit to themselves that there's a chance that they have not been living a correct life. Christ's legacy, I want to tell you that you cannot go about living your life the way that you choose and expect God to bless you. God desires for his people to get holy. See, it's not just an, an Old Testament thing. Just as God called Moses to consecrate the people. God is calling you and I to consecrate ourselves for worship. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that God will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. One of the most important things to understand about this passage of scripture and consecration is to understand that consecration and holiness is not just a state of spirit or a state of mind, but consecration is mind, spirit. It is also our bodies that we are to offer up as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to a holy God. That means that you and I are called to 
reject all sin. Not just the ones that we don't like. But anything and everything that God rejects as sin, you and I should and must reject as sin. That means that we need to live separately from evil. The next thing I want to mention is this, is that our motives are important in this. Our motives are not so that we can, we can be holy, so that we can be blessed. Our motives are to be holy because it's a response back to God for all that he has done in our lives. Our motives are about what he's done, not about what we can get out of it. It's an act of appreciation and gratitude for all that he's done. That's it. Our desire to live transformed lives is because we are thankful for the forgiveness of sin. We're thankful for being able to walk around and call God our Father and for us to be his children. We're thankful and grateful that we have a relationship with God Almighty, that we have been washed by the blood. We have had a renewed heart and mind through the washing of his word. And that we now have joy in our hearts and peace in our lives because of what Jesus has done for us. This means that our preparation for worship isn't just a Saturday night thing. It's not a Sunday morning thing, but it's a Monday morning on your way to work when somebody cuts you off thing. It's a Tuesday night when you're trying to get the kids in bed. And it's the third cup of water and the second time they got up because they were scared kind of thing. It's a Thursday at work kind of thing when you're talking to your coworkers about all the problems that are going on at the office. It's a Friday night kind of thing when you're trying to figure out what to do when you're going out on town kind of thing. When we prepare our hearts and souls and minds for the worship that we are not only obligated for, but that we have the opportunity to participate in. Offering our bodies as sacrifice for worship is easy to do on a Sunday morning. It's easy to do when everything is going right and we're supposed to be here playing music and lifting our holy hands and raising our holy voices. But it's a hard thing when we're tired and tempted, amen? But that is the moment, those are the moments that we are to tune our hearts and our lives towards God because of Christ. Number two, we should get shook. Turn to your neighbor, get shook. What in the world is he talking about? Has he lost his mind? Has he lost his mind? Yes, but... How many of you remember what you, where, where you were and what you were doing at 1120 last Friday night? Some of you are like asking your spouse where you were. Why can't you remember? You, you may not remember, but, but, but when I, I kind of give you some kind of clues, you'll, you'll start to, to realize. At 1120 on Friday night, I was sitting in my kitchen. I was writing. The kids were in bed. They were asleep. My wife was getting ready for bed and... All of a sudden, the house began to shake. I was like, Holy Spirit, I'm ready for you. Come on. 
the, the dishes started shaking in the cabinets. It lasted for 15 seconds. Before it was done, I was up and I was in my kid's room to check on them. I wasn't worried about the house falling down. I was worried about somebody waking up. <laughs> Whew, thank you, Jesus. Still asleep. I went into my wife next. She said, are the kids awake? <laughs> I said, no. I said, how are you doing? She said, fine. Just then, neighborhood app starts going off. Ding, ding, ding. People are saying, did you feel that too? Well, of course I felt it. There's a 5.1 earthquake. At least that's what the USGS came on and announced. In a, in a whole entire map of the world with little yellow dots all, all around it. We were the, that day the only big red dot. 5.1 over in Prague. We saw Facebook. People were asking about it. People were chiming in from Kansas, from Texas, all over that they could feel it. They could hear it. Some people's things fell over. It was just, it was one of those moments that came unexpectedly and so powerfully that you were reminded for the simple fact that you are not in control. That there is a force that is greater than you that can impact your life any time it decides to. And for many people, they were afraid the rest of the evening waiting for the aftershock to take place. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something that God does not desire for his people to live in fear, but he does desire for his people to have an awesome reverence and a holy and crazy pursuit of his righteousness. God is calling us to be a people that understands that he is the ultimate authority over heaven and earth. And if we dare lose sight, lose connection, lose our, our, our perspective on who God is and his awesome authority, then we've lost sight on something important. Romans chapter 2, verse 12. Work hard to show the result of your salvation. Obeying God with what? Deep reverence and with what? Fear. Fear. For God is working in you, giving you desire and the power to do what pleases him. God, I can't even tune myself. I need you to come and help me get tuned. I don't even know what to do. God, if I, if I submit myself to you, will you come in a special, powerful way and give me the desire and the ability to even please you? And I'm going to work to demonstrate that you have truly come into my life and saved me and changed me from the inside out. I'm a new creation. So start, start doing something new. Be obedient to him. See, if you've really been saved, then we've had this moment that has occurred in, in our hearts and our lives where we were confronted by the sin and the shame that gripped us that we couldn't separate ourselves from like coming up out of a pit of tar. There's no way that you can clean yourself up from that. But in God's goodness and his righteousness, he came in such a powerful way 
and wiped every stain away. When we understand that the God and the creator of all the universe and everything in it bends, the universe bends its knee to God, we will understand his holiness. And we'll also understand that he judges the sin of the world. Isaiah chapter 66, starting in verse 2, we find out a little something about God and how he feels about those that try to worship him but are hypocritical in, the na- in, in their nature. You see, he says, verse 2, My hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. Somebody say amen to that. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humbled and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. If I stop right there, I'm feeling pretty good about stuff. But he didn't stop there, so I'm not going to. Watch what he says. When such, uh, he says in verse 3, but those who choose their own ways delighting in their detestable sins will not have their offerings accepted. If you think that you can live your life however you want to do it and then come up in in church and raise your hands and sing praises to God and cry out to him and then go back to your lifestyle, watch what God says. When such people sacrifice a bull, it is no more acceptable than a human sacrifice. When they sacrifice a lamb, it's as if they had sacrificed a dog. When they bring an offering of grain, they might as well offer the blood of a pig. When they burn frankincense, it's as if they had blessed an idol. I need somebody to understand that God is serious about his people coming in in a right relationship with him, with pure motives and a desire to worship him with holy hands and clean hearts. We are called to be holy just as he is holy. God chose this list on purpose. Let me help you understand. A bull offering and a lamb offering are atonement offerings. They represent ultimate submission to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, telling him, have his way. That animal was slaughtered. The blood drained. The whole body placed on the altar and everything about it burned. And the person that was making that sacrifice sat there and watched, associating that sacrifice with themselves, that they are to die, that they are to die, that old way, that sin was to die. Complete submission. The grain offering was a thank offering. It represents thanksgiving, devotion, and recognition of God's provision. It wasn't making things right, but instead as an expression of gratitude to God's blessings. Yet, when we offer a grain offering up to the Lord, we thank him for all that he has done. God said, you might as well be offering the 
the most unclean thing in the Jewish world, the blood of a pig. When we come to God and offer him frankincense, it represents our prayers and intercession, blessing the Lord and allowing the sweet aroma of our prayers to enter the throne room of grace. Yet, when we come in, determined to live our lives like we want to live, choosing not to become holy and to be disaligned from the will of God, it's as if we're praying to an idol. God is holy, and you and I are called to reverently serve him, to follow after him, to love him. Finally, number three, we're called to get close. So we understand that God has called for his people to come to worship him. We must be holy people. We must be set apart for worship. We must be people that have a great reverence for him and intentionally prepare our hearts to be in his presence. But we're also a people that are called to be close to him. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 21 through 25. And since the author of Hebrews states, we have a great high priest who rules over God's house. Let us go right into his presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences. Watch this family have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a high priest that serves in God's house. There's no way I could adjust that guitar. <laughs> I knew it whenever I picked it up. I needed somebody that was skilled to adjust it for me. Family, there is no way that you and I can adjust our hearts and become close to God except that we come to Jesus Christ, our high priest, Allow him to sprinkle us with blood to cause us to be pure, to be washed by pure water that our bodies, that our minds, that our spirits can enter into the very throne room boldly, unafraid, unashamed, not because of what we can do and what we can offer, but because of what Jesus Christ has already done for our lives. How do we prepare? We come to Jesus we come to Jesus. We remember that God's promises are trustworthy when he says that he'll heal you, when he says that he'll redeem you, when he says that he desires a relationship, when he says that he'll come and give you peace instead of the anxiety, when he'll come and give you joy instead of sadness, when he said he'll, he'll come and give you love instead of loneliness. We can believe him. We can trust him. 
And when we do that, we can prepare our hearts to come into a place and worship him with the expectation that he'll actually come and do what he's promised us to do. Wouldn't it be nice to walk in this place confident, not only that we are prepared, but a loving Heavenly Father desires to meet us in this moment. Finally, I want to mention the fact that Jesus is coming. He's coming. He's coming. He could come before the end of this message. Are you ready? Are you ready for the Lord to come to rapture his saints? Are you ready? He's coming. He's a holy God. And we're called to stand in awe of him with an awesome respect and reverence. We're called to expect miracles from a loving father. We're called to be ready for his return. So congregation, my family, I want to say, whether you're ready or not, here he comes. So let's get ready. Would you stand with me all over this place? Would you bow your heads and close your hearts? Turn your minds towards Christ Jesus and ask him to consecrate yourself back to him. Allow him to begin to tune your heart and your mind to his purpose and his will. Ask him to give you back an awesome reverence for his presence. Let's get right with the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you, we praise you, we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you are. Lord, we desire, Lord, to be in this place and space, Lord, where you are. Lord, let our hearts be prepared for you to move, Lord, in this place. Would you just lift up your hands and lift up your voices in worship to him right now? Come on, congregation, this is the time. This is the moment. Hallelujah, come on, let's sing it to him you right deserve now. The glory, Lord. Congregation, I love you. And I want to be a church that responds in a correct manner, that is prepared, that our hearts are ready for a divine visitation by the Holy Spirit. That his presence will literally sit up and dwell right where we are. That, that when people walk into this place, they'll see and they'll feel something different, something unique. Not because of the production, not because we're all of this other stuff, but because of his presence. I want to do something that's a little bit different this morning. I want to, I want to invite you to the front, to this altar area. As a family of God in worship... And I want to ask you to take a moment and seriously consecrate your hearts to him in worship. Would you just, all over this place as a family, come down to the front as a sign and a symbol of our dedication and commitment to him. Would you step out, come down to the altars, and let's respond in this way to him. Hallelujah. Praise God.
why I'm doing this. Here's why we're doing this. Because it's one thing for us to understand that our responsibility individually is to prepare our individual lives in worship so that our relationship will be right with God. But watch this family. Come on, make some space. Come on, get, get up close because we got some people. Come on. It's one other thing to understand that you have an obligation to prepare your heart and your life for your brother and your sister. Our obligation doesn't stop with us. That's Our good. obligation is for the people around us to know and trust that we are all not just connected individually, but interconnected to him. We are called to be a unified church. Come on, somebody. That was good. Say amen to that. Amen. Let's raise our hands and raise our voices to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords one last time. Come on, Pastor Henry. You were the other that your conviction would be in our hearts and our minds, Lord Jesus, so that we would come to know your repentance. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that chains would be broken right now by the mighty and matchless power that you have. Lord, that you would break off the addictions, Lord, that bind us, that have its hold on us, Lord, so that we can tune our hearts and lives to you. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that you would allow things to bubble up in our hearts, Lord. Shine that spotlight of the Holy Spirit on us, Lord, so that we could know not only what does not please you, but, Lord, what we must do in order to please you. Lord, let us be a people that are not only willing to please you, Lord, but take steps to please you, to prepare our hearts, Lord, for what you want to do for our church, for our community. Lord Jesus, let us offer you, Lord, worship that is holy and acceptable and pleasing, Lord, unto you. Lord, that our hearts and our lives would be consecrated unto you, Lord Jesus, so that you may use us in you right now. Oh, have your way in this place. Have your way in this place. Just a little longer, church. His presence is real. familiar with charismatic or Pentecostal movement, but what you have just heard is called a message in tongues that was followed by an interpretation of those tongues. It's a biblical manifestation of God's presence and his desire to speak a message to his people that is in line with scripture. God is calling us to live 
a life consecrated unto him. Our obligation and responsibility and our sign of salvation is our desire to live it out, to work it out, and to love. As a church, we're going to be a church where not only you, but your friends and your family and your neighbors and your co-workers can find God. Amen. Amen. We're a church where we're going to take every opportunity that we have to give hope, the hope of the gospel to people. We're going to be a church that does life together. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray your blessing would be upon each and every person under the sound of my voice. Lord, that your spirit, Lord, would move in harmony with ours. Lord, that we, Lord, would be in tune and remain in tune, Lord, so that you would be pleased with the worship that we offer. And Lord, that you could use us as your instruments and willing vessels, Lord, to manifest your hands and your feet to a hurting and dying world. God, give us opportunities. Help us to come boldly to our neighbors, our relatives, our friends with invitations to come along with us in our worship experiences. We'll give you all the praise and glory for it's in your name, Jesus. We pray all these things. Amen and amen. Let's give the God glory this morning. You may be dismissed as long as you shake every hand and hug every neck. God bless you.